And welcome to another episode of Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and thank you all for joining in today. And uh, I just want to thank the people who called in last week and to celebrate sort of my 100th show. Um, I thank you very much. Uh, and so today we're sort of shifting gears from uh, the last couple of shows have been uh, a lot of PT, a lot of physical therapy related shows. Today we're shifting gears a little bit, but I still think that what we're going to be talking about today is applicable across a lot of different uh, professions, physical therapy being one of them. But today we're going to talk about why is it that some people set yet failed to achieve their health and fitness goals and how we as health professionals, so be that you're the physical therapist, you're the personal trainer, Pilates, yoga, nutritionist, even the even uh, a physician, what we can do as a professional to help these people uh, not only not just set, but really help maintain them and help to maintain those goals. And as we all know, January, everyone, the first thing people say is, oh, I'm going to get in shape, I'm going to go to the gym. And now we're in, in, uh, in March. And, and now is when, you know, you start going to the gym and you start seeing it being less and less full, less and less people there because everybody sort of makes those uh, lofty goals. And then by March and April, those people kind of die off a little bit. Um, so to help me through this conversation today, I'm happy to have on the show Bobby Capuccio, and he is regarded as one of the leading educators, presenters, and performance enhancement, enhancement coaches in the areas of fitness leadership and the dynamics of personal growth. He is the former director of professional development for the National Academy of Sports Medicine, content manager for PT on the Net, and a co-founder of the fitness leadership and development company PTA Global. He has written countless articles that have appeared in numerous fitness publications. He's also been featured in various trainer development videos, and he is a contributing author of some of the most widely referenced and highly regarded textbooks in the industry. And due to his provocative, dynamic, and highly effective style, he is highly sought after to speak on subjects including business development, sales, exercise science, communication skills, and personal development for many of the most successful and reputable companies in his industry, as well as leading industry conferences worldwide. And there were too many of them to name individually. So that's, we'll just leave it at that. So Bobby, hello, welcome to the show. Hello, Karen. So like I said, today we're going to talk about some of the reasons people set and then fail to achieve their health and fitness goals and what we can do. So let's first take a couple of uh, excuses, shall we say, or a couple of reasons why people don't achieve those goals. I have so no idea ahead. what you're talking about. You said to show up here, we'd be having lunch and there'd be sandwiches. <laughs> I'm really a bit confused, Karen. <laughs> well, th- now, if you know me, you know that like, I, I am certainly not one to uh, cook or provide any kind of meals. So obviously, that could never have happened. Okay. I'm caught in a lie. We're three <laughs> seconds into three this. Three seconds in and caught in a lie. Does that decrease my level of credibility for the listeners? A little bit. <laughs> All right, let's start over. The yes. question was. So, question was, let's talk about some of the reasons people fail to achieve the goals they set for themselves for fitness and health. Well, one of the most common ones that I hear, not just in seminars that I give around the world, but with my own clientele, is information. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of like if I only knew what to do, I could get to my goal. Mm-hmm. Well, that's like saying, 
if people only had more information about the dangers of smoking, we could eradicate the problem from the planet within seven days. Mm -hmm. I mean, somebody listening to this right now, if you had any information, you should really do something about this. Because if people had information, they'd understand and they would execute on a solution. Now, we know that's absolutely not true because there are people who have lots of information but they lack in the area of execution. Mm. Interesting. Alan Deutschman wrote a book years ago called Change or Die. And he talks about a very interesting story. There was a conference filled with leaders of Fortune 500 companies because they were starting to get really concerned about the healthcare crisis and the escalating cost of healthcare from employees that exercise and follow proper dietary habits versus those who don't. And that's kind of a no-brainer. But getting these employees to change their behaviors, that was shocking. They had no clue. So they brought in, in this conference, Raphael Levi, prominent physician, and he gets there and basically says... It's a conundrum because most of the health insurance costs, and this was in the United States, clearly Mm -hmm. New York City, comes from lifestyle-related habits. So can we really say that people don't know exactly what to do, or is there so much confusion and the fear becomes, I don't know if I could take what to do and execute it because what if I know exactly what to do Mm -hmm. and I still fail. Mm. That predisposes me to judgment, not only judgment from others, but self-judgment, a little bit of humiliation, ridicule, and other inner conflicts that they're not even aware of that we'll talk about later on today Mm -hmm. that kind of close that bridge between where they are and where they want to be, who they are and who and what they ultimately want to become. I think it's pretty scary because for a lot of people, they've struggled with this for a long time. And if you're going to do something you've never done before, you must become someone you have never been before. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge undertaking. Another interesting story is Martin Lindstrom utilizes neuroscience in the field of marketing. Mm-hmm. How does our brain affect the decisions we make and what it is we choose to buy or not buy? Now, if you're in marketing, that's pretty useful information, isn't it? And he cites a very interesting study conducted in England where they took smokers and they made them fill out these surveys. And these surveys basically asked them, when you see these cigarette campaigns, now in the United States, we have these little warning signs on the mm-hmm. cigarette cartons. But in Europe, they have these big things that say smoking kills. And in places like Australia, you see someone who has mouth cancer and their face is falling off. Uh-huh. That's horrifying. Sure. So they were shown these images and say, what does this do to you emotionally? Now, when you think about having a cigarette and they wrote down on the assessment sheet, well, it terrifies me. I don't want a cigarette now. This is horrific. This, this definitely is effective. I'm looking at this and uh, I can't believe I'm, I have this habit. Then they put him in a functional magnetic resonance imaging machine. See, what we say and what our brain says is usually totally different things. And what our brain says, our brain tends to tell the truth more than we do, not because we're liars. We're simply unaware. Mm-hmm. Now, if these images evoked fear in the participants, like they said it did, you would see a lot of activity in the amygdala. But that's not what the researchers saw. The second there was any association connected to a habit that was addictive on a physical level, the ventral striatum portion of the nucleus accumbens lit up straight away. Mm -hmm. Now, what does that mean? Yeah, what does that mean? 
The ventral striatum and the nucleus accumbens is part of the reward pathway specifically dedicated to anticipation. Mm. So they would be shown these horrific cigarette ad campaigns in no uncertain terms, visually depicting the worst consequences of smoking. And their brain said, oh, I'd quite fancy a cigarette right now. Mm. So a lot of our habits create biochemical changes in us and it's a lot harder to break than simply just saying i'm going to exert some willpower mm-hmm. i think that's a problem with uh, in, in my industry it's a love-hate relationship with my industry i think a lot of people get into it because they're very empathetic and compassionate but sometimes it's almost like if you know what to do and you don't do it you simply don't want it badly enough mm. and that kind of it's like blaming the victim i'm not sure. calling people who struggle with weight loss victims but it's the same mentality that you're your own problem. And first of all, I don't really think that that's effective. Second of all, it could be quite destructive before people even get started. Mm -hmm. They have to face the potential consequence that this doesn't work out for me. Not only do I have the compounded feeling of failure, of repeatedly attempting to get control of this, but now I have judgment from my external frame of reference. And there are things you can do. So what can we do as, as health professionals to... To help get people beyond this? Well, there's a few things. I'll just share a couple with them Mm -hmm. today. I think what happens is whenever we try to give people advice, there's a law in psychology called reactance. And no matter how great or brilliant our advice is, even when people have the best intentions of following it, every time they do follow it, it invalidates their original perspective and it limits their freedom of choice and we all value our freedom of choice. So people tend to push back and not comply and not comply for very long. Mm -hmm. So the first thing we have to realize is people do things for their reasons, not for our reasons. And when we question something, like somebody says, well, I'm overweight. They just don't say I'm overweight. They say, well, I'm fat. And that becomes an identity statement. So if you lost the weight and you weren't fat, who would you be? That's a little bit disconcerting because at least I kind of have a self-image now. And whenever you conflict with someone's identity, you're going to get a little bit of resistance most likely. So the first thing that I found helpful with trainers that I've coached and with my own clients is kind of helping them to disassociate from that identity. Mm -hmm. If they say, well, I've tried this before and exercise just doesn't work, but I know it doesn't work for you. That's fine. Let's not talk about you for a second. Who do you know? This could be someone you know personally. It could be someone who has the same last name as you and lives in your household. But who do you know that is incredibly successful in this area? Or who do you know of? Mm-hmm. And it could be someone they saw in a magazine. And what is so compelling about this person? If you had their body, you had their physical vitality, you had their lifestyle, what would be different in your life? What would change? What would you do with that body? What would you do at that level of energy? And how would that feel? Mm-hmm. Why is that important to you? And what is it that you think this person does daily? Well, the first answer is, I don't know. Sure. sure. Understandable. What do you think? Second is, what do you believe this person would never do daily or rarely do daily? And the question after that is, which one of these acts, one of commission, one of omission, do you believe is most realistic for you to apply 
So what are you willing to do every day? Mm-hmm. Not 10 things, not three things. What's one thing? Right. So sort of start, start small and kind of grade their exposure up versus saying you have to do all these five things every day, seven days a week, or else you're not going to get to your goal. Yeah. And that's what the fitness industry a lot of times does. Yeah. It says you got to immerse yourself in the habits that took me a decade to develop. You've got 24 hours. And if you want it bad enough, you'll do what I do. Yeah. It's not empathetic and it's not reality. Yeah. If they do one thing, when we come back, we'll talk about why that one thing can be the most significant thing, no matter how small the step it is. Okay. So I look forward to that. So everybody stay tuned and we'll be right back. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Are you confused about which diet is right for you? Are you tired of being tired? How about improving your energy, strength, and appearance? Hi, I'm Rika Keck, a holistic nutrition and wellness consultant. If you have answered yes to any of my questions, contact me now at nyintegratedhealth.com or at 646-285-8588. Initiate change and transform your life. Are you concerned about the future of your business or career? Would you like it all to just be better? Well, the way to do that is through better communication. And the best way to do that is training from the team at Improving Communications. This is Larry Sharp, host of the Ivory Tower Radio Program and director at Improving Communications. Does your office need better leadership, customer service, sales, or maybe better writing or speaking skills? Could they be better at dealing with confrontation, conflicts, and touchy subjects? All are covered here at Improving Communications. If you're in the New York City area, stop by one of our public classes or get your human resources in touch with us. The website is improvingcommunications.com. That's improvingcommunications.com. Improve your professional environment. Be more effective. Be happier and make more money. Improving Communications. That's the answer. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and I'm joined today by uh, fitness professional and leading educator in the field, Bobby Capuccio. And again, if anyone is listening and wants to call in and has a question, you can do so toll-free at 877-480-4120. So before the break, we were talking about um, sort of grading your exposure to these lifestyle changes. So in the beginning of the year, when you make that big lofty New Year's resolution of I'm going to get healthier, I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to exercise more, I'm going to diet, I'm going to quit smoking, I'm going to quit caffeine. Obviously, that's a bazillion things going on at one time. And, 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 and I've heard that from friends. I've heard that from patients and clients. And, and so before the break, Bobby was about to let us in on 
uh, a nice little secret on how to really sort of grade your exposure to this lifestyle change. And you can start with just one thing. So what is it? What can people do to help with this lifestyle change? In 1956, Leon Festinger wrote a book called When Prophecy Fails. In that book, he coined the term cognitive dissonance, Mm -hmm. which essentially is the emotional duress that ensues from holding two opposing perspectives in mind. People hate mental dichotomies. True. And a lot of times when people think about change, they think about immersion. And I'm a believer in immersion in certain circumstances. However, most often that's not how change occurs. Change is a very gradual process and it has to be person defined. In other words, we can never set the pace for the rate or degree to which someone changes. Always individualized. Always individualized. And and I have to say another thing, uh, and, and you were talking about the cognitive dissonance, and you know, we see this a lot. If, if you're any sort of educator, whether you be a teacher, a physical therapist, a trainer, a doctor, the moment you introduce something new to someone, a new concept, a new idea, you have to be prepared for that first. If you're the person receiving that information, I think the first thing you tend to do is you push back or you mm-hmm. feel very uncomfortable. You feel very uneasy. And we've all had that feeling when someone gives you new information and you're like, mm, well, I don't know, I don't believe that or that's crazy. You know, so how do you as the fitness professional, how do you sort of get past that with with your client how do you sort of gently push open that door because otherwise a person's gonna leave and be like well that guy's crazy i'm never going back to him again or her again so how do you how do you deal with that ask don't tell i understand that although i might be a mentor i might be a leader for them i am what my friend Roy Sugarman calls the guide by the side, not the sage on the stage. So in other words, if you can help people become the leader they are looking for by introspectively examining their motives, what they're willing, what they're not willing to do and why you don't have to worry about resistance because you're not antagonistically delivering information that would be threatening. Mm. Take a look at the case of who do you know? Who do you know who's achieved in this area what you desire to achieve? What do you think he or she does every day? What are some of the things that you think he or she would rarely do or never do every single day to have the body, to have the level of conditioning that they have already achieved? And if you can ask them, well, what are some of the things you'd be willing to do? Well, I don't know. And as soon as they get into an internal dialogue, well, I don't know. I've got lack of time and, you know, there's so many things. And I, you know, I tried this, you know, three times before and, you know, I succeeded for a month, but that was on a leap year. And so, so <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if this is for me. I got to go ask, you know, my, my spouse, the butcher, the baker, the candles, just stop them. Mm-hmm. Say, what do you think? What are some of the things that you think you might be able to implement? What's one? Mm -hmm. And wherever they start, any starting point is a fantastic starting point. If somebody says they're going to hydrate more, 
let them hydrate more and leave it alone mm-hmm. for a week or two. Don't because keep pushing, pushing. Be like, really? That's all you're going to do? Yeah, Wait, I think you should do this, this, and this. How come you don't want to do this? Why wouldn't you want to do that? So, you know, and, and I'm sure that you've seen this in the fitness world and, and I see it in the physical therapy world. So we know now that, that that's not the best way for your client to get a positive response from that client. No, because just like in physiology, excitation, contraction, coupling has the all or nothing principle. Uh A lot of our clients or patients have the all or nothing principle. If they have 10 things to do, recidivism in one thing, in their mind, is failure in everything. Mm. So if they select one course of action, that's fantastic because you can manage a course of action. You can manage expectations. You can manage relapse. You can help create consistency. And at the end of a couple of weeks, Nathaniel Brandon in his book, The Six Pillars of Self-Esteem, said that self-esteem itself is the reputation you have with yourself. They have a reputation at the end of 7, 14, 21 days that they need to live up to now. So even the slightest thing, if done to completion, is a powerful thing because it creates the foundation Mm -hmm. by which you lay other consecutive steps. So start there. Let them determine the starting point and the pace, and they'll probably be further along and have a better chance of adherence than anything you can convince them of through information, through inspiration, or just giving them the best motivational seminar you could right. probably summon. Right, right, that right. That rarely works. Right. So, so perhaps taking little more sort of subtle shifts every day versus trying to pack on all of these lofty goals. And I think, you know, by, by taking it small and then when you're successful, it feels really good when you're successful at something. And then you're more likely to say, wow, look at how great I did. Like, I'm so proud of myself. Now your confidence has increased. And you're like, well, if I can do this, if I can drink more water every day, maybe the next thing I want to do is, you know, I'm going to try and work out three days a week instead of just one. You know, that's a brilliant observation because if I tell you what to do, let's say you come to me and you want to learn how to do something that I know how to do, Mm -hmm. which I know everything that I know how to do, you know how to do, but hypothetically, and I tell you exactly what to do Mm -hmm. and you do it and it works. Whose win is that? That's mine. That's not yours. So you rob your patient, your clients, chances of winning, and you also take accountability Mm -hmm. because if you do what I tell you to do and it doesn't work, it's my fault. Sure. So when you take away accountability and you also take away the ability of your client or patient to win, don't be surprised when they don't have the intrinsic drive to keep on keeping on. Right. And, and you know, this reminds me, and I've said this, we've talked about this a lot on this show, but it's, it's shifting from the operator to the interactor as far as being that health professional. So the operator, meaning the client comes to you, you stretch them and you give them a little program and and then they leave, but you didn't teach them anything. You didn't empower them to kind of take anything on for themselves. And then they see you the next time and you operate on them and then they leave versus the interactor, which is what you were saying is, you know, how can we empower this person to take control of their own health and of their own self, really, 
versus us just operating on them and having them leave. So then the person becomes dependent. So like you said, if the person is successful, it's your success. If they fail, it's your fail failure. But the person will never say, well, the PT, it just didn't work for me. Or this trainer, it just didn't work for me. Versus becoming the interactor with that client or with that patient. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So then all of a sudden, you you are taking that person and giving them their success and, and giving them their failures as well. You know, if they, but, but at least people are more likely, I think, to try a little bit harder when it's on them mm-hmm. versus when it's on someone else. Cause you always have a fall guy. Absolutely. So Self-accountability if, yeah. is a non-negotiable prerequisite mm-hmm. for success in anything, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I think one of the things that we can do is give that to people, give them the space to fail, give them the space to succeed, mm-hmm. but give them again, the ability to become the leader they're looking for rather than us stepping into that leadership role. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree completely with that. And, and just that in and of itself. And I know we were talking about this Yesterday, you know, not a good, not enough good information, or I don't have time to exercise, or you know, past failures or injuries. We'll get we'll get into that. Conflicting beliefs about your exercise, all of that, I think, can come under this this sort of broader umbrella of giving the client the space that they need to have their own, and 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 you know, you hope that with your guidance, not your operation, but with your guidance that you can help them achieve those successes more than failures. Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing we'll discuss when we come back is there's probably a lot of the same root causes Mm -hmm. for a lot of different situations and what people would call quote unquote excuses. Excuses. I don't buy into excuses. I think that's a bit belittling quite honestly, Mm. but they're all the same root causes tied to a lot of problems that mm-hmm. people have within their struggle to lose weight or achieve any health. Of right, right. Or just to be healthy or to, you know, w- what have you, or maybe, you know, just to, and, you know, I equate sort of being healthier with being a little bit happier, you know? So I think that that's also something to kind of take into account. And like you said, if you start small with the example you use, well, I'm just going to drink more water and then you do it and then you're really happy about it. And so it gives you that internal motivation versus always having to rely on your trainer or your PT in which, you know, I think we're very good at being coaches and motivators, Mm -hmm. but if you don't have that motivation within yourself, you're not going to go very far. No, and, and motivation cannot be pumped in extraneously. Right. You can't uh, put it in an IV and just put it right into your... No, I, I think what people consider lack of ability uh-huh. is rather lack of self-efficacy. Mm. And self-efficacy can be built one small achievement at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And on that, we're going to take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, we'll maybe talk a little bit more about how past failures and injuries can lead to you're not achieving your goals. So we'll be right back. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you suffering from aches and pains? Has traditional medicine let you down? 
Are you tired of taking toxic medications? Then come to the Double Diamond Wellness Center and learn how our natural methods can help you to heal. Call us now at 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. Or find us on the web at www.doublediamondwellness.com. We look forward to serving you. Hi, I'm Austin Marola. And I'm Sloane Wainwright. We're the hosts of the new Thursday morning show, The Music Power, Power Hour. Hour, at 11 a.m. We're going to have fun. And shine the light on all aspects of music. And it's limitless healing possibilities. We're going to invite artists to share their songs and play live. We'll be listening and talking about great music from yesterday to today. So you're invited to share in our musical conversation. Your ears will be delighted with the sound of music. And our voices. Join Austin and Sloan live Thursdays at 11 a.m. on TalkingAlternative.com. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I am your host, Karen Litzy, joined today by fitness professional Bobby Capuccio. And again, if you have any questions, you can call in toll-free at 877-480-4120. So today we're talking about uh, some common reasons why people fail to achieve their health and fitness goals, even though they've set these goals and they're really determined in January. And then as the months go on, it just sort of fades away. So another, so we were talking first about not having uh, good enough information and, and sort of how you as a fitness professional can sort of finesse your client into making these changes versus bombarding them with 10 or five or 10 or 15 different lifestyle changes they have to make right now or else they're going to fail. So another, uh, I think common let's say, roadblock to you achieving these goals are, and we sort of mentioned this before, but past failures at trying to become fit, past injuries you have attained while trying to be healthy. So what, what do you do? And as the professional, when this person comes in and they have these sort of fear-based beliefs around movement and around their health, Ah, yes. The, I've tried this before, and I know it doesn't work for me. Right, right. It doesn't work. I failed. Or, gosh, I did that before, and I sprained my ankle. It really hurt, so now I never do it again. The first thing I believe our clients and patients need from us is unconditional positive regard and acceptance. Whatever they say, there is a reason why they're saying it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be rational. 
Nobel laureate Daniel Kahneman in his book, Fast Thinking, Slow Thinking, brings up a great point. He says a lot of times in retrospect, we tell ourselves a story about why things have happened, why we behaved in a certain way, when really we have no idea why we behaved in a certain way. It talks about the number of milliseconds it takes for an emotion to emanate, for us to biochemically interpret that emotion through a feeling and then thought and thoughts like five times longer to emanate than an emotion. So we have an emotion, we experience the feeling, we react, and then a thought pops up and goes, well, you know, the reason why I did that, mm, it might be reality, but more likely it's just a simple story we're telling ourselves. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is throughout the entire history of human existence in the brain, speed is more important than accuracy. So our prefrontal lobes can help us contemplate our place in the universe, think about ourselves, thinking about our Mm -hmm. place in the universe. But what it cannot do is expeditiously get us to run in the opposite direction if the bush we're standing in front of starts to move. And it could be a predator, but, you know, it could be the wind. It could be somebody hiding behind the bush to play a trick on me. If I sit there and with my prefrontal lobes think about every possibility and the right course of action to take. You're in, you're in rough shape. If it's a predator. You're done. Yeah, that's about the last thought I'm going to have. It makes sense to humiliate myself if I'm wrong and it is just the wind and jump up and run as fast as I can. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing. So if a child touches a hot stove, well, probably not going to do that again. Now, we tend to develop generalized pattern perspectives where that child might associate furniture itself is dangerous. Mm. Well, that can be unlearned. But the reason why we develop these generalized associations is rooted deeply into our DNA and we need to understand that. So when somebody comes to us with a fear, we don't dismiss it and we acknowledge it. And I think, again, you know, the the way to bring someone's prefrontal lobe into the game is not by what we tell them, not by causing them to react or defend their position, but by asking questions because questions require cognition. So they require that more analytical process and you can allow people to examine their own statements so somebody comes in and goes that won't work for me i've tried it before i've tried everything you've tried everything so just repeat that back to them Mm -hmm. because sometimes people throw things out and they're not even aware of what they're saying everything okay walk me through that (laughs) or or uh, nothing exercise just doesn't work for me doesn't work for you Feed that statement back. And reflection, a lot of times, allows people to say, oh, you know what? No, that's not right. Or mm-hmm. say, yes, that is right. Because you're not looking for a specific response. Right. You're looking for a response so you can move the conversation forward or lead the conversation forward. A couple of questions that I found pretty useful is if somebody says, well, you know what? I've tried this so many times before and it never worked for me. Mm-hmm. Instead of arguing, so I understand that. What area in your life are you exceptionally successful? Because very rarely, especially you know, people who, who come for personal training consistently, they're fairly accomplished individuals. They wouldn't be able to participate in personal training mm-hmm. for a long period of time if they weren't. So they might consider themselves to be someone who's not very competent in exercise, but there's an area of their life. Somewhere. Somewhere, whether it's their profession, whether it's being a great mom or a great dad that they feel particularly good about. Tell me about that. And what's your strategy? 
how do you become so successful? I want to know what are the beliefs you have? Mm-hmm. What are the values that drive you forward in this area? And what specifically do you do? So if I wanted to become successful in this area, not just what would I have to believe or what would I have to value, what my mindset need to be, what would some of the behaviors need to be that I execute on consistently? And you know, maybe it's your career. Maybe you're amazing at real estate. Mm-hmm. Have you been successful in every deal? Has there ever been a time in your career where you experienced a setback? And, and I would assume most people at some point in their life or career have experienced a setback. Or have experienced a failure. And if you haven't, or if you say you haven't, I think you're probably lying. It's such a delusional statement. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, most people are proud of their setbacks. And they should be. Because it was their setbacks that gave them the insight. Gave them the ability to recalculate, reassess, remold their vision. Mm -hmm. And develop the perseverance to keep becoming the type of person who's capable of achieving what they already have. So they'll tell you about their setbacks. Mm -hmm. Now, my next question would be, what did you do about them? So here you have this big setback. You're moving in a career. It's obviously you're working towards something that's important to you. What did you do? And was there a benefit? What do you think the biggest benefit is to your setback, knowing what you know now, that if you didn't have that setback, you wouldn't be as good or you wouldn't be as well off as you are today. Mm-hmm. Get them talking about that. And can you explain to me why this area of your life is different than the other area of your life? Oh, because I'm not an expert. I don't know what I'm Well, how much of an expert were you in real estate or accounting at age 10? Mm-hmm. Did you grow up in it? You know, was your, was your father Fred Trump? I mean, what was your exposure to real estate like? Or what was your exposure to, you know, uh, medicine, if you will? And let them walk you through why they feel this is different. And very often they'll start to realize, you know what? It's a different area of my life. But sometimes the beliefs and the values and the behavior patterns that are responsible for being successful in one area can spill over into this area. Sure. Are you willing? Now, label it. Say, so if I want to be successful here, I'd have to believe this. I'd have to do A, B, C, and D in this exact order. Is that something you're willing to do? I mean, being you've already failed at this, you've got nothing to lose. Sure. Would you be willing to do it? And if the answer is yes, my next question is, for how long? Mm -hmm. If it's a week, start with a week and then reassess. If it's 14 days, it's 14 days. So if someone says to you, well, I think I could try it for a week, as as the trainer, do you say, well, forget it because it's going to take longer than a week? The achievement of their you know goals what I mean? is, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. We say that all the time. Well, forget it. It's going to take longer than a week. So how do you, what is your response to that? What's going to take longer than a week? We need to be clear session by session. What are we trying to accomplish specifically? I've heard a lot of trainers say, well, the achievement of that person's goal is going to take six months. Are you trying to have them achieve their goal in a single session? That's a bit odd. That's like going to a group exercise class and going, I'm cardiovascularly fit. Thank God that's over with. (laughs) Never doing that again. I can move on. That makes no sense. Uh What I am trying to do, session, the best single session is the one that produces a consecutive session or a concession consecutive course of action that progressively, not in a linear mm-hmm. manner, moves that person toward where or who they want to be. Or 
how they want, more importantly, how they want to feel, that. you know, because you, yep. you have, you want to feel a certain way. And if, if your work can bring you to how you want to feel, well, then that's amazing. You know, like I just on a personal note, I started taking Pilates sessions maybe about a year ago. And I've had a lot of sort of neck issues and things like that, chronic pain issues, which are under control. But I was always afraid to do what I thought was going to be very strenuous on my neck. So doing Pilates, like a lot of core work, a lot of, you know, using the machines and the reformer and the Cadillac and everything. And I could remember when I first going in for these sessions, talk about, you know, fear of movement or fear of injury, I would go in and I would be almost like a sympathetic nervous response. You know, my, I would, my paws would be getting sweaty and my heart rate would go up and my blood pressure would go up. And I would just have to kind of say to myself, like, keep it together. Like, don't lose it. Don't like faint. Don't do anything. But luckily I had, I have a Pilates instructor who kind of did what, what you're saying. She said, well, you know, if, if you don't want to do this or if you're scared to do this or do this, she's like, let's just start with hey, let's see if we can just maintain this position, whatever position it is, you know, in, in Pilates. Let's see if we can just maintain it for five or 10 seconds. And let's just work on that, you know. And then now a year later, I look forward to going. That fear is gone. And I feel so much stronger. So whereas before there were things that I literally couldn't do because I just didn't have the strength of like my SCM muscles and my abdominals and things like that. So, so now I can go and I can lift my head up as we're doing some of the exercises. Whereas before I literally couldn't lift it off the mat, not because of lack of strength, but I think more of that fear of movement or that fear mm -hmm. of past injury or that, well, I've tried this before and it didn't work. And I felt that. So now a year later, now that she's made me feel stronger, I have to say it's like a whole new world. I'm also a lot sore now after our sessions because we're doing like really hard stuff. But in the beginning, I have to say I couldn't even picture myself doing the things that I'm doing now. Another brilliant assessment. People think that thoughts are things. Not so often. Not in my experience. Feelings are the precursors or inhibitors to emotion. A lot of times when you get that, I don't have time to exercise mm -hmm. and you examine other aspects of someone's life, that becomes quite evident. You shift someone's association and how they feel about something. You can shift their behavior patterns entirely, but right. not until. Right, right. And, and, you know, I have to say that I've been... Um now that I feel like I'm so much stronger and, and I am in fact stronger. I mean, there's no two ways around that. But now when I go even to the gym, whereas before I would go and, and I would say, you know, I have to go for a full hour and this is what I have to do. And, and when I started really sitting back and, and looking at these quote unquote goals that I had set for myself, I was like, you know, because I haven't worked out in like a year, which I know is bad. Um, <laughs> I would go in and say, you know, I'm just going to go for 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And so for the first couple of weeks, I would go for 20 minutes and then a half an hour, and then 45 minutes. And now I can go for an hour and I don't get any of that sympathetic nervous response anymore because I've sort of taken away the fear by gradually working up to where I needed to be or needed to be for right now. But, you know, it was more feelings than 
than anything else. I don't know. That's, that's what I think. I don't know. What, what, what do you think? Let's talk about it when we come back. No. Okay. All right. We'll be right back. Everybody take a break. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in your business or career? Trying to take your business to the next level and it keeps hitting a wall? This is Sam Leibowitz, the Conscious Consultant. I will help you get to the root cause of your abundance issues and help move you forward in your life. Call me now and let's create the future you dream of. 212-721-8183 that's 212-721-8183. The Conscious Consultant, helping conscious people be better business people. Have you ever considered consulting a roadmap when you feel you need help getting to your destination? When the normal path seems blocked, a little help can come in handy when choosing an alternate route. Your natal chart is a map of your potentials. It addresses relationships, finance, business, health, and above all, creativity. Current planetary cycles can either support or challenge your objectives. I'm Montgomery Taylor. If you would like to explore the help of a private astrological reading, please contact me at monty at montytaylor.com. That's monty, M-O-N-T-Y, at montytaylor.com. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I am your host, Karen Litzy, joined today by fitness professional and international speaker and educator, Bobby Capuccio. And so in the last segment, um, we were talking about how to get people past their past their past failures and injuries to help them achieve those goals that they've set for themselves. And, you know, something that I think we, we sort of touched upon last segment was... You know, if someone can objectively see that they've gotten stronger or, for instance, I I think I used the example over the break of when this person came in to see you, your client came in, they were able to do 10 squats with great form. But after that, the form broke down. They couldn't do any more. Now, let's say it's three months later. Wow, they can do 30 squats with great form. And so you can say to your client, well, look at you've gotten stronger when you came in. You can only do 10. Now you can do 30. Very objective. It's black and white. But that person still is like, well, I don't know. I don't know if this is really working for me because they're not feeling 
like it's working for them. So how do you, as the fitness professional, as the healthcare professional, how do you push that person or guide them into really feeling their accomplishments and feeling that sense of pride in, in what they're doing? You know, we're talking about two totally different things. If you take a look at DC and Ryan and their self-determination theory, Mm -hmm. anything that we do long-term is something that is driven by intrinsic motivation. Mm -hmm. And I think goal setting is very important in the beginning because in the beginning they have a fear and setting and incrementally achieving a goal not only helps them move toward the outcome they desire, which is the whole reason why they're seeing you in the first place, Mm -hmm. but it also incrementally develops self-efficacy. However, think about Anything that you do continually without the need for a payoff, without reward, think about something that you would do even if you got nothing out of it because the payoff is in the process. You know, mm. People talk about, I don't have enough time to get to the gym, but they'll still watch one, two, three hours of television yeah, that's true. every single evening. That's very true. And I'm not saying, well, well, you're lazy, but they'll go to cinema. They'll book a holiday. Now, how stressful, how much work and attention and effort does it take to go book a holiday, plan it, go on the holiday. Uh, and then when you even, come you back, talk about it. You, need, you need a holiday, a holiday from your holiday from yeah. the holiday. Sure. So why would people go through all that time, money and energy? If they simply don't have the time, they don't have the energy mm-hmm. because people do what feels good. And the more what we do is motivated by not what we get, but getting to engage it in the first place. So if Friday night, I don't have a lot of time, but I still go to cinema because there's a film I really want to watch. The reason why I'm doing it is because it helps me with escapism. I get to avoid pain of everything else that's going on in my life and gain pleasure instantly. You know, this is kind of interesting. Back in the May 2007 edition of Journal of Neuroscience, Giselle Petschinger did a study on the effects with laboratory rats of Mm -hmm. movement and dopamine. Later on that year, in the November 2007th edition of the Journal of Psychiatry and Neuroscience, Simon Young did the same type of study and found very similar results. Exercise, movement, strenuous, sustained movement has a profound effect on dopamine release. So I think one of the first things we can do is mitigate someone's fear of exercise by allowing them to voice their concern And then see where in the stage of change are they? So we approach it from the position of reason and then emotion. James Petraska is the founder of the trans-theoretical model of change. And one of the tools that is utilized within the trans-theoretical model of change is a decisional balance sheet. I think before somebody starts on any type of program or treatment, it's pretty important to go through Well, what are the advantages of changing? Mm -hmm. And also, what are the disadvantages of changing? Because a lot of the fears are, my God, if I change who I am, what if I lose 20 pounds and my friends who I hang out with at the club... They don't like me anymore. You know, I lose my reference group. Well, my value system is family, then friendships, connection, love, belonging. Then my third value down is health. So if I sacrifice a higher value for a lower value, how am I going to sustain that behavior? So not just what are the advantages of changing, but what are some of the disadvantages of changing? Mm -hmm. And 
not only what are the disadvantages or consequences of not changing one month, one year, 10 years in the future, but what are some benefits if you did nothing at all? So at least people understand what it is they're starting with. And would you have someone literally write this down? Literally write it down because writing it down is a form of cognitive dissonance. Mm. They cannot come back later and go, well, I didn't mean that. I never said that. Well, that's your handwriting right there, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And And what do you call this sheet again? A decisional balance sheet. Decisional balance sheet. It's a very effective tool that we can move out of the way of being an instructor and an educator. And again, as one of my favorite phrases by Dr. Roy Sugarman, a guide by the side, not the sage on the stage, and allow our clients to go through the discovery process of their own motives, what some of the consequences are, and what they are willing and not willing to do. Mm -hmm. And then talk to them a little bit about what their greatest fears are pertaining to exercise. So, I mean, we know from Maslow's hierarchy of human needs that after all our physiological needs are met, the second most foundational need is safety. And if you, you know, you take a look at the research of Antonio Damasio, Portuguese neuroscientist in the anterior cingulate cortex, emotional pain is registered pretty similar to physical pain. Pain is pain. Yeah. So being that we're motivated to avoid pain, what is the most painful consequence you are imagining? Is there anything you look forward to in movement? You know, because you might have been injured in the past or you may or may not get to your goal in the future and that might be terrifying you. But what type of movement patterns did you enjoy when you were five? What did you do in high school? You know, what type of movement? Is it a new dance class? Zumba is becoming Mm -hmm. so popular because it takes something exercise that people usually hate to do and create movement out of something I look forward to do. So it's not like I have to do this. I get to do this. And if we come from the mindset with our clients, yesterday's history, tomorrow's a mystery. What are you going to do with the 86,400 seconds you have today, right now? And how do we get you engaged in this process and mm-hmm. having fun? However fun shows up for you, we can start to move them day by day, one day at a time. The phrase just for today is mm-hmm. extremely powerful in many venues of life. And if we can get somebody in there and say, well, I'm afraid of this. Well, we don't have to do that. What would you look forward to? And sure. use our expertise. Usually the thing they want to do should be something that's safe and effective for of them course. to do. Of course. But within reason, letting them set the guidelines, it doesn't matter where they are on day three. It's day 303 that's going to make the difference for them. Yeah. And, and, you know, we have a couple of minutes left, but I just want to touch on something that I that you said um, kind of in the middle of that. And and that is, you know, it's it shouldn't be. And this goes for clients, patients alike. But if you're giving them an exercise program, it shouldn't be something that they have to do. But what I liked is it's something that they get to do. So in other words, it's something that that I think, and, and I think this every day, that, boy, I am so thankful that I get to do a Pilates class. And I'm so thankful that I get to go to the gym. And so I think when you look at it as something that, you know, you can give thanks for, mm-hmm. that I think it's, in my mind and for me, that it's, it's very motivating. And it makes me think, boy, I'm so lucky, that I get to do this kind of stuff. And there are elements, single-minded focus and absorption 
continual incremental challenge, ever progressing demonstrations of mastery, a feeling of autonomy, mm-hmm. relevance to not only what I'll achieve, but why it's important in my life. All of these things are linked into intrinsic motivation. Yep. Yep. And, you know, and unfortunately, we only have probably like 30 seconds left here. And, and I say this every time, but today in particular, boy, the hour went fast. Um, but I guess the last thing is if someone had any questions directly for you, where can they find you? How can they get in touch with you? They can email me. Bobby Great. at Bobby Cappuccio. That's C-A-P-P-U-C-C-I-O dot com. Great. So Bobby at BobbyCappuccio.com. If anyone has any more questions, you want to continue this discussion, feel free. And on that, I want to thank everyone for tuning in today. And remember uh, to stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. And we'll see you all here next week. You are listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hi, I'm Dana. And I'm Don. We are Certified Mediators. And I am a family and couples licensed therapist and author of Please Don't Buy Me Ice Cream. Our show, New Beginnings, is about helping you and your family recover financially and emotionally and start the beginning of your life. We'll answer your questions on divorce, family court, co-parenting, personal development, new relationships, blending families, and more. Dana and I will bring you to a place of empowerment and belief that even though marriages may end, families are forever. Join us every Monday starting September 10th at 10 a.m. on TalkingAlternative.com. Are you suffering from aches and pains? Has traditional medicine let you down? Are you tired of taking toxic medications? Then come to the Double Diamond Wellness Center and learn how our natural methods can help you to heal. Call us now at 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. Or find us on the web at www.doublediamondwellness.com. We look forward to serving you. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. This is Tony Martinetti, the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Technology, fundraising, compliance, social media. Small and medium nonprofits have needs in all these areas. My guests are expert in all these areas and more. Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern, on Talking Alternative Broadcasting. Are you fed up with talking points rhetoric? Everywhere you turn, it's left or right spin, ideology, no reality. In fact, it's ideology over intellect. No more. It's time for the truth. Join me, Larry Sharp, a.k.a. The Neo Sage, Tuesday nights, 9 to 11 Eastern, for the Ivory Tower radio program. In the Ivory Tower, we'll discuss what's important to you, society, politics, business, and family. It's provocative talk for the realist and the skeptic who want to know what's really going on, what does it mean, and what can be done about it. So gain special access to the Ivory Tower and listen to me, Larry Sharp, your Neosage, 
Tuesday nights, 9 to 11, New York time. Go to ivorytowerradio.com for details. That's ivorytowerradio.com. The Ivory Tower is a great place to visit for both entertainment and education. Listen in, Tuesday nights, 9 to 11. It will make you smarter. TalkingAlternative.com 